everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I'll bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Uh, welcome to Everything Old is New Again. Douglas Viviani here with the rather slinky David Cohen. Slinky? Mm, okay. That's what a good that, one. Mm, that a hint about what today's show is about? I don't know. I do the best I can with these the definitions. But listen, this week, David, we have a very special guest. In fact, yes, we've we got do. three special guests today. How does that sound? Sounds fun. I think it'll be good for everybody because we will not be carrying the show. We will just be observing and we get a... Uh, it's going to be our best show okay, ever. Exactly. Kind of a week off. We're going to give the show off to Leo Viviani. Are you here, Leo? Say hello. Yes, I'm here. 10-year-old Leo Viviani, here for a purpose. We will explain that in one moment. Angelica Viviani, are you here? Hello. 13 years old and we have author Winter Miller. She's a playwright who's been published by Concord and Playscripts. She's written more than 90 articles for the New York Times, as well as for New York Magazine, the Boston Globe, the International Herald Tribune, Variety, Huffington Post, the Village Voice and Ms. Magazine. She's traveled with Nicholas Kristof to the Sudan border to write her play in Darfur. And now she's venturing into the world of writing a children's book, or is it a children's book? We'll get there with that. Not a cat, a memoir. You can find that, of course, on Amazon.com and all the locations everywhere, out and about. If you're looking for a new classic children's book or a young adult book, this is it with a message. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, Listen, Winter Miller, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Everything old is new again. Thanks. It's good to be here. Uh, I got to re-familiarize myself with my bio. There's nothing more embarrassing than that. (laughs) And it's so long and detailed, as we always say, unfortunately, we only have another three more minutes into the show. No, but uh, (laughs) here we go. Uh, Leo and and Angelica have read this book. It's called, again, Not a Cat, a Memoir. It's got some great illustrations in it and a nice message. Before we dive into too much, can I have Angelica ask the question you wanted to ask, the first question about the book and about uh, Winter? You want me to say you wanted to ask your first question? Oh, question? Yeah. Okay. Um so what inspired you to write the book? Oh, well, happy to talk about this. Um it's always alarming when you have very smart children getting ready to ask you questions. You don't know where they're going to come from, but <laughs> I can handle that one. I'm ready. Um I had an absolutely incredible cat whose name was Gato. And he was my best friend. Uh, We were together for 13 years. And we spent so much time together that um, we had such a good time that I wanted everyone to know about Gato because we traveled all over the country and he met tons of people. Um, He ended up having a fan club so much so that when I brought him places, I would walk into the room and people would be like, Gato! Mm-hmm. And then maybe five minutes, they'd be like, oh, hey, Winter, how's it going? <laughs> so he was just an exceptionally sweet, fun, and very silly cat. He was really fun to watch. Um, so I 
I wrote this book because I wanted everyone to get a little piece of Gatto and how wonderful of a cat he was. And, and Leo, you had a question about Gatto's name. You want to ask that question um, first off? Um, is Gatto's name mean cat? In, like, because in, that's in Italian. Like, well, it's funny because I'm in Italy right now talking to you, but actually, um, Gatto is G A T O and he's Spanish. And the reason that came about is um, my nephew is half Dominican and I didn't speak very much Spanish. I still am not very good at Spanish, um, but I wanted to have a way for us to bond when he was just born. And uh, so I named the cat Gato just so that we would at least have a little bit of Spanish between us. But you were close, Leo. You're off by one letter, and yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good pickup. Thank you for that. You were close. And you know what's funny? People who are French sometimes think that his name is Gâteau, which <laughs> means cake in French. So people tend to be, they, they make up their own thing. They think either cat or cake. I don't mind. Both sound great to me. And in some ways that relates to the message of the book or what happens yeah. in the book, right? Do you want to give a little bit of a message or a, a review, I would say, Angelica, of the book, just basically what you thought of it when you read it? Oh, okay. So I was very impressed by the message of the book and just the book in general. Like, usually in children, like, it was unlike a children's book I read before, and I really liked that. I wish more children books were like this, or really for any um, audience. Um, I was usually, like, in children's books, they don't, like, talk about, like, being your own, like, person, like, doing what you want to do, and, like, no limitations to what you want to do. And I'm happy that all ages can read this and be exposed to this positive positive message uh, that people need and um, I also wish that um, the like that some people that you know don't like different things can maybe look at this book and it can help change their mind about people in a very positive way so I really enjoyed the book so yeah <laughs> that's a great review have, Angelica yes I'm sorry Winter did you, a, did you have a favorite page Angelica I actually do. Um, I don't know what page number it is, but it's the. You may think that a dog looks like looks like this, or a cow looks like this. Um, this page actually, right here. This is my favorite. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. It's the page where Gato is hanging out with a dog, and a cow, and a horse, and a rabbit. Yes. I love that page. <laughs> now, we don't want to... There's no spoilers here, guys. We don't want to give away too much about... <laughs> I'm being silly, but it's true. What we do want to say, uh, Leo, or have Leo ask a question, because the same kind of thing. Didn't you have some kind of a question that you wanted to ask about Gato? And and, and uh, Picasso and your own cat? No, uh, I do, but I want to... You have a cat named Picasso? Yeah. Yeah, but... Um... I want to do um, a different question. Okay, ask another question, and we can, we'll can we get right back to that in the um, next section. In the book, it says, Gato eats grass. Does he do that in real life, or is it just for the book? That is just for the book. Right. He sniffs grass. He's a big grass sniffer, but he he would eat catnip. But if I took him out into the grass, he would just kind of roll around with it. Um, but there are there are plenty of cats who eat grass. And I know this because I live in Brooklyn and there's a, a pet store down the street, Trixie's. And in the window, they advertise uh, cat grass. So I know that there are many cats who do eat grass. Um, Gato just didn't seem to be drawn to it. But it wouldn't be unusual for a cat to eat grass. Now, without Does Picasso 
Yeah, does, does Picasso eat grass? No. 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 Picasso and you, we have a Picasso and a Disney and they're both not allowed out of the house. Oh, see, that's the thing. Maybe you need to bring some grass growing in the house and see <laughs> if they go for it. Yeah. I don't think you can just bring a clump of grass, put it on the floor and say, here you go. Yeah. Here's dessert. I think you have to have it growing in a little trough for them yeah. to sort of, you know, well, hunt it. We have seen Picasso eat some of the plants here and there, right, guys? Yeah. Picasso is very adventurous that way. But talk mm. about adventure. Uh, Gato is in this book, just for the listeners, is is kind of explained. There's a little bit of he goes on a little adventures and a little summary of, of the different things that he's done in his life and tries to and does will get to present a, a nice message. And uh, there are also illustrations here, Leo, Leo right? Yeah. With pictures of the real Gato uh, throughout some portions of the book, more, I think more of the beginning and the end, right? Yeah. But we do get a chance to see the real Gato in this book as well, besides these wonderful illustrations. Am I correct? Yeah. In the beginning, when I first um, presented the book, I didn't know if we would use actual photos of Gato because he's pretty much done um, everything in the book that you see. Although, as Leo points out, he was not <laughs> much of a grass eater. Um, but he's uh, been on an airplane. He's been on a bunch of airplanes. Um, he's hung out with a horse and a cow. Um, he's gone walking with a dog. I've taken him swimming. I've taken him hiking. Um, we, you can see in the in the very opening of the book where there are the actual photos of him. There is one of him um, in Washington D.C. I think he's in front of Lincoln. Yeah. And uh, and then there's one of him on a canoe where he's sitting at the very the very front the bow and he's just looking out um so i i wanted to do photos of of the real gato um but then it was explained to me that it would be much more fun if we had illustrations so my very good friend um danica novgorodov did the illustrations they're pretty fun right the illustrations yeah yeah yeah, we're going to pick up that uh, thought in a moment because we're out of time, but we love the illustrations. We're going to get into that. This is a great book. A new, I would suggest a possibility of a new classic along the lines of The, the Giving Tree and uh, and Fall of Freddy the Leaf and so forth. We'll get into some of that here on Everything Old is New. Again, we're talking to the author of, uh, let's say, get it right, Not a Cat, a memoir by Winter Miller. We'll be back right at this and Everything Old is New again. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. How can Batgirl be the best anything when Catwoman is around? (laughs) No best dressed list is complete without the addition of the Queen of Criminals, the Princess of Plunder, yours untruly. Right, Manx and Angora? Right. In any comparison between Batgirl and myself, she runs a poor third. Ah. Ah, welcome to Back and Everything Old is New again. What are we doing? Talking about Eartha Kitt, excuse me, on Batman 66, the original show. Well, we have an author on the show. And Everything Old is New again with David Cohen. Not a cat. A memoir by Winter Miller. Uh, well, Winter, thank you very much for coming back. Uh, good to see and hear you. And the question I have right off the bat is, why did I play Eartha Kitt from Batman? Did you have any any uh, 
brush with fame that you'd like to share with us? That's hilarious because I was like, do they know? Do they know that I that I spent time with Eartha Kitt? Do they know about this absurd story? Um, apparently you do. Um, good job with your research. Thank uh, you. Yes. When I was working uh, at the New York Times, I was covering an event and uh, I needed to ask Eartha Kitt about her opinion about the Iraq war. And this is maybe 2006 or five, something like that. And uh, <laughs> I, I found her at, at the party and she was wearing a fur coat, which is no surprise. Um, and I went up to her and, you know, and I, I, I made small talk with her. And then I said, you know, I, I want to ask you about um, your, your feelings about the war in Iraq. Um, and she started to talk to me. And as she was speaking to me, she took my left hand and her right hand, and she started to push her, her thumb into the palm of my hand. And, the, and her fingers were holding um, the back of my hand. It was sort of like this swooping motion, this very soft, mesmerizing motion and I was put under the spell of Eartha Kitt <laughs> and while it was happening I was I got so um uh discombobulated that I accidentally turned off my tape recorder so it I was completely under the spell of Eartha Kitt and just rolling along and I looked down and realized that I I turned off the tape recorder and I I quickly put it back on and I mean she talked for a very long time so I got what I needed but it was um it was really funny. It was I was like I was just completely under an Eartha Kitt spell. So she's wonderful. And, and certainly uh, she played Catwoman in Batman, if you haven't seen that series, guys, 1966. But it's got great colors and action and fun and thrills and adventure. And uh, I'll tell you, it relates to not a cat, a memoir in some ways. We can weave that in there sort of, uh, <laughs> at least with the, the idea that cats are the theme here today. Uh, I, I'm just curious as to if you thought why she did that. Did she try to disarm? Did she try to calm you down? Was it sort of a... I don't know, some other reason? Do you have any idea? I think it was just who she was. I think she was absolutely used to hypnotizing people. And, and she was, you know, friendly. And, I, you know, I don't think it's not like she was disturbed by what I, I wasn't hitting, you know, something that she didn't want to talk about. I think that's just the way that she operated. You know, some people are very tactile and, and she is, you know, certainly like a feline, very live and smooth. So I think that I think there was nothing exceptional about it. I don't think that she was like, oh, winter, I would like to hold her hand. I think it was just that's how she was. But right. And, and think about we, we've met and interviewed lots of people like yourself that, that are in the public eye and um, and it's by Zoom and all that. But if, it, it, I, it, I think it becomes so much more memorable when you're in person with someone. And then to have an experience where they hold your hand, they pat your back or whatever it is. It's just an extra sense that, holy smokes, you remember that. And I don't think you'll ever forget that. Um, and you'll never forget her. So she's pretty pretty sharp in doing that, too. I wonder that, you know, that's just a lesson for all. You know, there are, there are five senses, right? <laughs> and uh, she was able to tap into additional senses other than just talking. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure she forgot me immediately, but I've obviously never forgotten Eartha Kitt. Who there could? You there you go. And we're not going to forget Gatto. And uh, that's the, what would you say, the star of the show. And uh, Samantha B calls Gatto her Yoda. Hmm, I wonder why that is. Leo, you have any idea why, why Samantha B says Gatto's her Yoda? 
Maybe because he's like, to the my man. Maybe because he's like so calm. Calm and what else, Jill? Do you have an idea why? Mm, well, I'm I don't really watch Star Wars except for like Baby Yoda, but um, <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure Yoda is like very like wise. Um, so I think Gato's pretty wise. <laughs> yes, this is a wise cat, uh, a wise guy, and I think it's very touching in a way. At the end of this book, there's a notation, a picture of Gato, and it says, "In memory of Leo." What's Gato's name? Electric Gato Miller. There you go. Who lived long <laughs> enough <laughs> to tell you his story. So we all have have a a purpose, a message kind of in life, right? Or if we want to tap into that. And even a cat can can teach a lesson, so to speak. Is that right, like Joe? What kind of lesson do you think this story is teaching? Uh this book? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Wow. I think this book talks about like how you don't need like limitations on like what you do. Because, I mean, yeah. in a cat place, like, you may think, like, a cat just, like, stays at home or, you know, just any, like, normal cat stuff. But this one, he does so much other things. And that, like, goes for, like, people, too. Like, they, like, do all different things and everyone can still get along and stuff. And um, I really like the book. Um, I think that's, like, part of the message a little bit. <laughs> I think so. I, I think uh, I think Winter, you might agree with that. Does that make a make sense? Definitely, you got it. You you absolutely got it. One of the things that was why the book came about is because um, you know I would take him out for walks um, when we'd be walking around in Brooklyn, and he was sort of like a little furry mayor. People would come up and want to meet him. People who had never seen cats before, little kids, or people who were afraid of cats. And they would, you know, get down and hold him. I remember once I took him to vote with me and he, he I went into the voting booth and the, the woman who was the pollster, um, who was a Republican, which I am not, um, but uh, Gato sat very politely on her lap while I voted. And the thing is that people would always say is, um, your cat is, is so much like a dog. And, and that was the thing that got to me was, how do you know? How do you know that this isn't an aspect of Gato and of any cats? Why are we saying this is how a dog is? This is how a cat is. What if we just got rid of that and let the animal be whoever the animal is? And I think that that's true for people as well is can you be just as you are without being told, oh, you're, you know, you like to climb trees. You're a tomboy or um, you, you do this because you're an evangelical, like whatever it is, we should all be able to just be simply our name and who we are and that to me is what what gato is about is um defying expectations but also pushing those limitations aside and saying yeah yeah i'm i'm a cat and and just like a dog i i can swim right and not and, to get... and we do, we ah. do call it the doggy paddle but we we could have called it the, the kitty paddle right and and just because, uh, or I should say this, in my view, uh, not to go too deep, but you know, when you start to categorize people uh, just because of they're a Mets fan, let's say, doesn't mean that that defines them entirely. Doesn't mean a Yankees fan can't be friends with them. And also, doing that kind of can build walls. Oh, you're a Mets fan. I'm not supposed to like you because I'm a Yankees fan. I'm using that as a silly example, but you know what I mean. Like, so wh why do we need to make these these groups? Why can't someone be a Mets fan? Any Yankees fan or even a Boston Red Sox fan in New York City and still it would be okay because that's who you are. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. There we are, right, guys? That's, that, yeah. that's kind of a great message, and that's what this book is all about. Not a cat, a memoir. It has amazing illustrations in it. Uh, Leo is, it, both of you were loving the illustrations as well, right? They're very different. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about them in any way? you have anything to say about the illustrations? Maybe what your favorite one is, Leo? Do you oh, remember the one that you liked? My favorite page? The, the, okay, you can tell the favorite page. What about the favorite picture? Oh, um, Ooh, I have this one. one. All right, so this is the one that we have. A, there's a page here where there's a huge word that is used and sort of the um, the rosebud, if you will, of this book, I would say. And so we want going to read the word because it gives away a lot. But that page has a, one of the things is a, 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 a well, just want to describe it, Leo? Um, basically, Gatto as a uh, train. Right, <laughs> Gatto as a train with his face at the and, and you just yeah. you love the illustrations how it shows Gatto could be all these different things. Yeah. Gel, you have one also. I yeah, think. I also have a favorite um, illustration. Um, here, 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 here. Okay. Um, this is my favorite page. Well, not well, favorite illustration because um, it shows all. Well, well, am I allowed to say? Yeah, you could go into it. Sure, why not? There's Gatto um, at the bottom. He's looking at tons of different kinds of people, right? Yeah, Gel? there's so many different kinds of people. There's so many different skin colors there's like so many like different like people there and i don't know i just really like this and gato's there just like oh my gosh <laughs> and he loves whether the person's blind or in a wheelchair or different nationalities and different races and so forth right it, it, yeah everyone yeah. is cool everyone there's not, that, <laughs> nothing wrong with that that page that page that you pointed out is um my nephew's favorite page and the reason is um one nephew is on one side of the page in the middle, and then on the other page, there are two other nephews. The the very tall, curly-haired person with a scarf, that's Omar. So the Omar who was just born when I got Gato uh, is now um, a teenager and almost six feet tall and has a big head of curly hair. Um, and then uh, in the next to him is a, a little sort of uh, blonde kid and um, that is uh, gray and then the, the first one I mentioned uh, that's Lucas so those are um, my relatives uh, in the book which is pretty fun too so there's even nepotism in uh, in creating uh, uh, <laughs> illustrations there is because <laughs> Danica put her two daughters in the book as well and there's nothing wrong and with that because I'm sorry if you look if you look very closely on the subway page um, you will also see that I am in there we're gonna have to, yeah. We're gonna have to get into that in a few moments because we're running out of time here. Everything old is new again. We'll be back with Winter Miller. We're talking uh, about not a cat, a memoir, a great book. We'll be back with this and everything old is new again. Hey, Gab. Hello, this is Pinky at Pinky in the Brain. Every time Brain and I are preparing to take over the world, we prepare ourselves with the joy of everything old is new again. Nerf. <laughs> Welcome back to Everything Old is New Again. Rob Paulson there, our favorite uh, voice uh, cartoonist, if you will, or animation, right? Or no, Joe? I didn't know that. Yes, you, yeah, he was on the show. I watched the one on YouTube. It was so good. We have another very special guest. Winter Miller's with us. Not a Cat, a memoir, a, a, a great children's book for, for all ages, for those of all ages, for the kid at heart and and more and uh and winter uh, i know david cohen we've we've monopolized leo and angelica have been uh so uh, selfish let's say to <laughs> just being silly but to monopolize the time david cohen hasn't had the opportunity to say anything and he is there so david take it 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, I, no, I, I'm much more interested in hearing what, what our guests have to say today. But I have a question for Angelica and Leo. So the message in the book about labeling and inclusiveness and identity, how often in school or maybe in your everyday lives is that message, I guess, um, communicated to you beyond what you just read in the book? Well, I wish in my school they talked about it more, about labeling and everything that the book, you know, demonstrates and talks about. Um, I wish school talked about it more. Um, but outside, um, I think it's very important not to, I mean, try not to, like, put limitations on, like, who you are and, like, that kind of stuff. So. But I think, um, and that's exactly right, um, but I want to hear from, from you and or Leo, do any of the teachers or is there ever an assembly? I know you had the bully assembly once, but yeah. is there any assemblies or a teacher talking or, I don't know, even, even between your friends talking about, oh, that's pretty cool to be this and this one is looks like that and that's okay? Or the reverse, is there, you know, negative thoughts about that stuff? Oh, well, my friends and I, like, we, like, not that we, like, spend hours, like, talking about this, but, like, you know, we, like, acknowledge it, but I feel like at school, can, can I, like, be honest? <laughs> You're supposed to be, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> all we get is, like, bullying assemblies, and that's important, right. that's important, but we don't talk about this stuff, and I wish we did, because it's not, like, brought up enough at school, but, I mean, my friends and I are, like, aware of, like, this topic, and, like, you know, like that kind of stuff. But I well, in a bullying stuff. assembly, do they attack? Uh, and maybe that's not the right word, but do they approach it where they explain or try to explain why someone bullies and or you know what 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 the crooked motivation would be to do that, or do they just say just don't do it? Well, not they always say like oh like bullies bully because like they don't like like what going on at home or they're they don't like themselves but like they don't talk about like why well they don't really talk about like why they're bullying a certain person or anything like that which i think they should talk about like because that's yeah yeah so do you think mm -hmm. this book would be something that um especially you know maybe a little uh, younger but your age too don't get me wrong but growing up to have someone uh, or a teacher read this to a child uh, you know uh, like uh, eight years old seven years old and, and all the way up and, and then have a conversation in the class about what's going on in this book yeah i think if i if like our teachers like in like a young grade like elementary school read this book i bet a lot of the kids i know now wouldn't be like how they are like they, i think they would take a lot away from it actually i feel like they would not act how they are because some kids at school are like eh. so um i think if some of my peers read this at a young age and any age now like um i feel like they would really like take a lot away from it and put it in their everyday lives do you think it would help them on you know kind of two ways to to be not be afraid to be who they are mm -hmm. and on the other mm -hmm. side to maybe understand that it's okay for them and others to be different and accept us all oh, yeah. enjoying yeah. our differences instead of being angry that we're not all I mean I'll be silly but not all Mets fans you know what I mean yeah if if like this book is all about like celebrating like I mean in like, my view it's all about like celebrating differences and like not labeling and that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. you got it <laughs> yay so um, yeah, I definitely think that. 
And we have to have a Star Trek reference in every show, and we'll say that uh, uh, we remember my kids might not know, but Star Trek fans know that Mr. Spock and is one of his biggest philosophies of the Vulcans are infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And they celebrate. This person has this talent. This person has that talent. This person looks like this. This person has... It's science fiction, so this person has four legs. This person has no leg. And But they all have something good to offer, positive to offer, if you let them. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and Winter, is that where we're going with, with this, with this uh, you know, conversation and the Absolutely. book that you're reading? Absolutely, yeah. As you pointed out, it is the idea is just that that we celebrate the differences that we have from other people, and that we look at other people and say, "You're different. That's fantastic. Let's all just be ourselves." And instead of insulting each other or something like that, let's raise each other up and support each other and be excited that we're not all the same. Right. And, you know, uh, this is a very surface example, but I think it kind of works, is that if we didn't, back in my day, there were no tacos anywhere, okay? And we all love tacos, right? We we love Taco Tuesdays and stuff. If we were closed-minded as a people or, you know, not open to the idea of, oh, you know, there's another country south of America, you know, that has tacos and and this different kind of food we would never enjoy that food so having the open mind gives you an experience of other cultures and other things that you may very well love and become part of your life does that make sense yeah (laughs) maybe it doesn't i don't know but okay so do you like leo do you like tacos um no burritos he's a big on the burrito he's a burrito man as long as there's no rice in the he doesn't want the rice in the burrito right leo you're with me on that one like but it's okay that your dad likes tacos and you like burritos. You don't have to, you yeah, know. Yeah, and the rest of my family, I think, likes tacos. Yeah. And is that okay, though? Cool. Yeah. But we don't, like, fight about it. we like, oh, like, that's cool. Like, we had different, like, preferences for different things and stuff. And why don't you like the rice? Or, hey, you know what? I do like the rice. And you don't get mad because someone likes the rice in the burrito and you don't like the rice. I mean, that's a silly conversation, but it actually really works. Right, guys? Yeah. I really oh, I just, want a burrito right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Too or bad we don't have Taco Bell as a sponsor right now. That would work perfectly for sponsor. <laughs> now, the nacho fries. <laughs> David Cohen, another question, a comment? Um, yeah, I have a question for you, Winter. Um, is this so? What kind of feedback, or do you get opportunities like this to get feedback from children about the book? I do actually, and it's amazing. I get um, people send me videos of their children reading the book. Um, some of them who are too young to read. So they're just, they're, they're doing it from memory because um, some of these kids have said, you know, every night they want to read the story over and over again. So they've started to learn it. So they'll, um, I'll get a video of a kid reciting the pages um, or I'll get uh, just still shots of somebody reading it to their kindergartner class or their pre-K class or first grade. And those are the best. They make me so happy. Um, my favorite thing was it was in a kindergarten class and there was one boy in the class who in, had insisted since September that he's actually a cat. So he was super excited to hear this book. And at the end of it, this other little girl said, yeah, and I'm a unicorn. So I feel like those kids knew exactly what I was going for and could really celebrate it. So, yeah, that is. And, and you know, and that's the difference between being a playwright. Right. If I write a play. You know, adults go see it. They're in the audience and they have their response. They talk about it later or they don't. They like it. They don't. Or they buy the play and they put it on their shelf. But a kid's book is so different. That book is in people's homes. 
Like that book might be, there might be, you know, 20 years from now, a group of kids who, you know, meet up in college or whatever. And they're like, hey, do you remember that book, Not a Cat, about the cat who like ate Chinese food? And and they're like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the idea that that is a possibility makes me really excited. I never anticipated that in the beginning, but just thinking about um, a kid's book as part of a family makes me really excited. Now think about it uh, along those lines. We mentioned it before, but there are books that are staples and sort of kind of the foundation in some ways uh, to our lives uh, that are children's books or books like this where um, they, they carry the theme into your soul, such as, you know, Fall of Freddy the Leaf, The Giving Tree. Remember Goodnight Moon? Do you remember that one, guys? See? The Magic Tree House by Mary Pope Osborne. Leo's just gotten some of those. and you know. So there are books like this that I think do uh, carry a message that go to the, the heart uh, of our um, existence, if you will, or our soul, can touch our soul, let's put it that way. And uh, I don't know, um, Winter, do you, and we don't have a minute, but do you have any that, that touch you, that, that you remember as a child growing up? Absolutely. I loved Eloise. I loved Madeline, um, the Velveteen Rabbit. And I was just out with a friend of mine who also writes children's books, um, Anastasia Higginbotham. She has an incredible series of books that you should check out about ordinary everyday things. Um, but Anastasia and I were out and we, there was this big rock that we'd been sitting on and we got up from the rock. And just as we got up, I said, Sylvester, if you're here, we want you back. And she started laughing so hard. And it was because we both, without speaking, we both remembered Sylvester and the Magic Pebble, how he goes missing because he he wishes he was a rock or something like that. And his parents really want him back. And because they're sitting on the rock and they say his name, he comes back to join them. Um, We didn't have Sylvester appear at the rock, but we had a good time with it. (laughs) And we're having a great time here with the author of Not a Cat, a Memoir. Winter Miller will be back right here and Everything Old is New Again for one more section. Everything Old is New Again, Not a Cat. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show. Hi, this is comedian Wayne Fetterman. I am the author of a new book called The History of Stand-Up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. And I am on Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. There we go. A friend of the show, Wayne Fetterman. Uh, we have uh, been in touch, David Cohen, a longstanding uh, discussion we've had, uh, and we're going to have him back on the show as well. And we're just enjoying having our time here with uh, another author, Winter Miller, not a cat, a memoir. And uh, Winter, I just want to ask you, you know, speaking about the future, do you, I know it's early because this book is just out, brand new. And you, by the way, go to your bookstore, your local bookstore, ask for Not a Cat, a memoir. You'll not be disappointed, and you'll support uh, a local business. That'd be great. If not, of course, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Bookshot.org. Everywhere you can get a book, you can get this book. But uh, along those lines, do you have any thoughts about continuing this kind of work for you know for children's books uh, for all those of all ages? Maybe. So we've got to sell a lot of these books, right? Get you motivated? Yeah, you've got, you got to sell a lot of books, make it really popular. <laughs> Um, I mean, we'll see how it goes. It is just out. Um, I do have some other ideas. It was a blast making it. I've never created anything in my life that went so smoothly and was so much fun. So if I have another opportunity to do it, I would absolutely say yes. And along those lines, I think Leo has something to say about a sequel. What do you think, Leo? Um, I don't know if this is like, can 
Can I say it? Yeah, go ahead. Into the microphone. Well, um, this is just a thought, but I think that my cat Picasso would uh, be friends with Gato, and because he is curious and he thinks he's a person. And it would make a good sequel. You think the two of them yeah, getting together? Yeah, maybe. That's kind of cool. Well, Leo, I think you should write a book about Picasso because you yeah. know Picasso so well. I'm gonna, I might do that. How about that, you Leo? Might do that? Yeah, I might do that. Do it. Do it, do and, it and send it to me. Oh, what do you think of that idea, Leo? Yeah. And then you could do a crossover promotion. Can I write him meeting Disney? Yes, of course. Well, that's a it's a great idea. Listen, it's a good thought, uh, uh, Winter. I was just thinking of that, right? I mean, um, writing is not an impossible thing that other people do and you can't do, right? I mean, tell us about how yeah. you got into it and what are you thinking about, you know, children writing a sequel or, or their own, let's say, books uh, themselves following up on this. I think that's absolutely what kids should do. I think you should look at your cat, see what they're up to, and write a book um, as if you are that cat. Or you could pretend to be the cat and have the cat write a book about you. Imagine what your cat thinks of you. Like when you walk in the room, what is your cat thinking? Or when you're eating or whatever it is you're doing, does your cat think, wow, I, I wish I could play soccer or I'd like to wear that shirt. What do you, what do you imagine your cat thinks about you? Pretty good idea. Angelica did a little bit of an essay once, I remember, and you had the cat calling the human being something else. What oh, you say? yeah. I had... Um... <laughs> I had, um, I wrote a story about my cat Disney and his point of view, um, and he called, um, humans the tall creatures. Right. <laughs> you wouldn't know the word Angelica. Maybe you might, you might know Angelica. We'd know the word human, right? Yeah, and, and I just want to say the moon was, um, like a white yarn ball. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, everything being totally in the perspective. I love it. You gotta write. You gotta Ooh, that, write that book, Jericho. That's you just copyright that written that. That's that's oh, your copyright, idea. Copyright. You're, you're on the air, so it's been published. But you know, if you hey, credit Mark, Angelica, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 all right. Now uh, I want to talk for a moment about kids reading. We had a, 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 a up until the pandemic, and since we haven't gotten back to this, but Angelica's school and Leo's school had something called Nerd Camp. And at Nerd Camp, you would have probably about 30, even maybe 50 authors visit the school. It was our Super Bowl, we called it, right? They visit the school, we would go and get to meet the authors and, of course, buy their book if you were so interested in doing so. Get an autograph. And then we saw some, you know, go back. A a year later, we saw the author again with a new book, right? And tell me, what what do you think of that? Just as an idea, Winter, I mean, have you heard of that happening before? I just thought it was so unique. That's amazing. I love it. I want please do nerd camp again and I want to get invited. We yeah. will we will talk to the principal about it. I have it on my agenda to find out what what happened to it and why we, I think of course the pandemic I, I'm hoping next year when things are hopefully cleared up I'm thinking that hey let's do open this and do this again. And along those lines Leo met an author. This is silly, but Leo met an author three different times, right Leo? Yeah. What's his name? Um, Arnie Bennett. And he wrote me. This is going to be silly, but I, there's a point to it. What are the names of the three books? The Butt Book. The Butt Book is one. Belcher's Burps and Farts. Oh my. <laughs> yes. And Poopendus. Poopendus. So he he uh, was <laughs> approaching. He had a theme. And oh, let's just show, yeah. Um, the illustrations of, are reminiscent of the illustrations in Not a Cat. They're very creative and very fun. And we're not trying to promote these books per se, but what I'm trying to say is that, Leo, did you read these books? Um, yes. And did these books inspire you to read other books 
uh, and like and this, right? like this, and you yeah. and you became a reader because you it was fun to read these kind of books. Does that make sense? Yeah, it was kind of um, like like um, not a cat a memoir. Yeah, they, they were they were like not a cat right, a memoir because yeah. it, it just like oh. not a cat. It, you you really like to read it over and over again now, right? Yeah. Except for the potty humor. Yeah. <laughs> well, he I think Artie's appealing to the the yeah. the potty humor in all of us, right? Um, but but they're fun and funny. They're not they're not nasty or anything like that. They're oh. they're pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we would talk about that for a different reason as well for Angelica because Angelica, you went and many books. Angelica's a reader like crazy. She has. Mm-hmm. We have to buy another bookshelf for her at this point. Um, but Jill, you wanted to share one particular book that you think uh, could be something that evolves for someone to read. Not a cat. When you get older, maybe uh, read this book that you're talking about. Yeah, like especially like if you read this book, like this, like this book, um, Not a Cat. Um, I feel like. This is I got this book at Nerd Camp. It's called The Someday Suitcase and it's a really good book and it kind of in a way relates to not a cat like with like the message and everything and um so yeah, I yeah. <laughs> well, okay. And but you were saying last night how the the message is is like continues from not a cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it, it evolved into a, a you know sort of a, a novel for you of that kind of message of include being inclusive and not being uh, uh you know, close-minded, right? Yeah. Okay, so there we go. Uh, just trying to expand it a little bit here to show that reading is uh, is fun and interesting for young people. When you get a book like Not a Cat, a memoir, uh, that would be memorable and something inspired to read even more. Yes, and, Joe? Um, books, especially this one, too, um, can have an impact. It's not like you can just read a book and it's like, oh, okay, read a book. Like, there's a lot of meaning behind behind certain books especially like not a cat so yeah there you go you know you know what you're making me think of angelica is that 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 page about uh in memory of gato um another one of the ways that this book is helpful is for people who have lost someone or a pet that they love they can also they can think about that grief um because there's you know that page is about losing someone that you love and still celebrating their memory and keeping them with you yes yeah, and exactly. In some in some ways, when you don't forget the person or the cat, uh, or whoever it might be that's that's missing, in some ways they're still alive. And certainly, Gato is is alive with uh, not a cat by Winter Miller, and will make you smile. And I and I would assume that it makes you smile every so often when you have an interview, Winter, to to talk about your cat and your experience as it makes him come alive for you. I presume, right? It absolutely does. I mean, I think about Gato all the time throughout the day and sometimes I will just miss him sometimes I'll feel a little teary about him but whenever uh, whenever I think of him my heart just swells it's just it's so easy to love Gato so I'm always always happy to talk about it see that yep. Angelica do you have another question did you say well it was kind of already ans- it was kind of already answered but um, I now that I'm thinking of it I do have a question um, a new one um, so I mean, how was the name Not a Cat, like, thought of? Because I think I think that's pretty creative, actually. Thank you. Mm. Well, it just came about because I thought, what if Gato thought of himself as anything but a cat? What if he was just sort of tired of people saying cats don't do this or cats don't do that? And so what if he was just like, I'm not a cat. I'm a person. I'm a dog. I'm a cow. I'm whatever it is. So that's that's how it came about. 
Interesting. Relates right to the, the, the heart of the story, right, Joe? You try yeah. to come up with a title that's interesting but also kind of gives a hint as to what the book kind of might be about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Leo, do you have any other questions? We're running out of time here. just uh, want to make sure I don't uh, want to shut you out. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, you had a, a thought. Yeah, well, he, the thought was the Picasso business, yeah. right? Oh, okay. right. So listen, Winter, it's, uh, actually, sorry, David Cohen, do you have another question or anything? Last I just minute? Wanna, I, maybe maybe this will just be a, a, a well-kept secret, but Winter, which where are you on the page in the subway car? Oh, that's going to be, that, how about that's it? Okay. Um, find me on the page of the subway car and then reach out to me on social media and tell me which one you think I am. I'm awesome. on uh, Instagram at Wintygram. Or uh, TikTok at Tiny Kitty um, and uh, Twitter at um, It's Winter Miller. Um, so drop me a message and say which being you think I am on the subway car, and I'll tell you if you're right. And let me ask what you a perfect one, question to end this session. It really wasn't? is. It was that was perfect, yeah. David Cohen. That's why you're here. You've earned your pay for the day. Uh, we will. <laughs> We will be back next week to talk all things pop culture and entertainment pop culture and everything old is new again. Winter Miller, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Angelica Viviani, Leo Viviani, I will see you sometime soon. So thank you so much for coming. And uh, <laughs> David Cohen, I appreciate your time. Winter, again, thank you so much. We really had a great time. Good luck with this book, uh, Not a Cat, a Memoir. Go to your local bookstore. Uh, go to your library, ask for it, and uh, you can even hit it up at barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. Winter Miller, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, Angelica and Leo, I hope when you write your books, uh, you you send me send me a note about them. I want to see them. Yeah, we will. And maybe we'll see you at Nerd Camp one day. We'll see if we can get that revived. Yes. Yeah. Anyone listening, bring me to Nerd Camp. Whatever that is, I'm in. <laughs> Nerd great. Camp everywhere. All right, enjoy. We'll see you all next week. Everything else is new again. Thank you.